the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, February 26, 2024. I am Seth Leibson. Hello, Mr. Bill. Hello, David Dahl. Hello, Terry. Hello to all of you. Hope you had a great weekend. My question is, will we ever be rid of this turbulent priest? I'm speaking of the headline emblazoned on the Drudge Report this morning, linking to a Yahoo News article. The title, quote, As Trump romps to wins, anti-Trump Republicans wonder, do I still have a political home? Close quote of the headline. Part of me wants to scream like Charlie Brown on the pitcher's mound. Part of me wants to sigh as I recognize this being about the 800th time I've seen an essay just like this. Those replicated pieces, switching out one soy descent Republican voter's name for another, one precinct or city or state for another, is really just a medley of today's journalism's greatest hit. We heard it all and read it all with Donald Trump in 2016, just as we heard it all and read it all with Ronald Reagan in 1980, just as we heard it all and read it all with Barry Goldwater in 1964. And what we all got in the former two examples who were able to overcome such caviling was unprecedented economic growth and unpredicted, in fact, counter-predicted world peace, or at least as asymptotically possible for us to reach pacification of the chief monsters around us, the communist manifestation in the one case, state-sponsored radical Islamism in the other. We got one other thing as well, common sense judges and justices throughout our court system. The reason there are happy memories of the Reagan years, as someday there may be happy memories of the years 2016 to 2021, elusive only now because of the agitation necessary to defeat the curator of that happiness in 2024, it's nowhere and know-how related to anyone's personality. Please allow me to quote from Yahoo the story of the day. Quote, For Ken Basler, who consistently voted Republican until Trump and his Make America Great Again movement transformed the party, the political scenario is disconcerting. The Republican Party part of me that's left is hoping Ronald Reagan jumps out from the grave and saves us all, says Basler, a 65-year-old retiree, as he attended a rally for Trump challenger Nikki Haley on a recent sunny afternoon in Georgetown, South Carolina. It leaves me in a quandary, he added, of Trump's likely victory over Haley for the Republican nomination, including an expected win in Saturday's South Carolina primary. Basler said he may ultimately vote for no labels, referring to the third party seeking to field another option in the November presidential election. Basler's sense of being unmoored was echoed widely in interviews with 15 other Republican or Republican-leading Haley supporters in South Carolina this week. Close quote. Fifteen. Wow. I've discussed the No Labels Party movement before and won't spend much time on it. But simply to say the following, sung better by Aaron Tippin, 
You've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Here's what I cannot understand, truly do not get. How can someone willing to stand up and self-identify as a Republican put something as serious as their sentiments and their vote about their party and their country into a quote invoking the possibility of the resurrection of the dead? That is something that simply is not real, is not based in reality, is not possible. And how can they further say, again, as someone serious enough about their party affiliation and vote to speak to the media about it, they would take their vote as a Republican, mind you, to a third party that stands for nothingness and has no chance of winning, to a leaderless party that has less and makes less ideological firmness and sense than John Anderson's candidacy in 1980. I realize a party is not a church whereby doctrines of faith must remain integral for the church to call itself a church or a synagogue. But neither are we to expect of a non-faith leader, unlike a minister, a priest, or a rabbi, the same virtues we expect in a faith leader or a congregation. An older story. A man in a small town sits outside a church he refuses to enter, the only church in town. When asked why he wouldn't enter, he says there are too many imperfect people in it. A passerby tells him, well, I know of a church that may suit you down the road a piece in the next town. The man takes the advice and goes to that church. He gazes in, sees Jesus praying in there, and asks, may I come in and join you? And Jesus says, of course, but you should know the moment you step foot in here, this place will no longer be imperfect. Well, welcome not to a nation Charles de Gaulle lamented that had 246 different kinds of cheese, but rather a political party that has at least 75 million voters. The likelihood of 75 million agreements on 80% or more or less of issues simply is inapprehensible. Simply inapprehensible because realistically inapprehensible. As possible as gluing an apple pie to a wall. Let's try it this way. Candidate A believes in lower taxes, the reigning in of pro-abortion radicalism, the elimination of judgments based on race, the sanctity of our Constitution, and has a track record of defending our allies while putting the quietus on our enemies. Candidate A could have described Ronald Reagan as much as it could have described Steve Forbes or even John McCain. Candidate B believes in higher taxes, zero limits on abortion policy, race-based affirmative action, and a fluid interpretation of the Constitution, as well as appeasing and endowing with money our allies' enemies. Candidate B could have described Jimmy Carter, John Kerry, Barack Obama, or Kamala Harris. Which direction would these 15 rep Republicans represented by Ken Basler vote? Remember, they call themselves Republicans. Now, the ineluctable truth, so obvious it is embarrassing to remind, candidate A also describes Donald Trump, just as candidate B also describes Joe Biden. And then there's that third alphabetical letter. Let us call it candidate C. But it is hard to do so because it actually has no national candidate but represents a movement that thinks there can be agreements between the views in Camp A and Camp B. 
let's call it a church that refuses to believe in the Bible or a synagogue that abjures the Torah. Now let's take someone who believes in the doctrines of Camp A but thinks the better option is Camp C. It's all quite beneath elementary logic, but it seems we are dealing with an immaturity of thought beneath elementary logic. And about the most serious of things, the protection and prosperity of not our party, but of our country and our fellow countrymen. The political philosopher Leo Strauss once put it this way, do we have to be resigned to utter ignorance in the most important respects where we cannot have any knowledge regarding the ultimate principles of our choices, that is regarding their soundness or unsoundness, where our ultimate principles have no other support than our arbitrary and hence simple blind preferences. We are then in the position of beings who are sane and sober when engaged in trivial business, but who gamble like madmen when confronted with serious issues. We shall call it retail sanity and wholesale madness. It seems to me that something as serious as a political party and a country called the last best hope by everyone from Thomas Jefferson to Abe Lincoln to Ronald Reagan forward, seems to me that political party and that country should strive for sanity at the retail level as much as the wholesale level, especially at this time right now, this very moment, when things all around us are at their most insane. That's what it seems like to me. And if I see another article like this, I probably will scream. I won't burden you with it again. But I want you to understand what we're dealing with here. We're dealing here with people who gamble like madmen over the most important of issues while taking seriously sane and sober behavior when engaged in the trivial. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. That's a little Maynard Ferguson doing a little George Harrison, my sweet lord, courtesy of my producer, David Dahl. Thank you for that. Oh, this looks like fun, going to our culture segment right away, whereby culture represents food and music and that sort of thing. Daniel is in Prescott. Hello, Daniel. How you doing there, Seth? I'm doing fine. How are you? So I was speaking with uh, young David there, right? Yes. And he told me uh, that I needed to speak to you about the fact that my wife and I had an outing at the Dirty Drummer not <laughs> too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> All the way from Prescott, huh? Well, she was headed down to uh, Sky Harbor down there. She had to go out of town on business. And so we, uh, we said, I said, you know, I heard this, this nice uh, Seth Leapson yeah. talking to uh, his his uh, partner there in the studio, yeah. and he went to this place called the Dirty Drummer. So we looked it up, <laughs> and we stopped in there. And I'll tell you what, that food is something else, isn't I it? Had, I, I I'm not I'm not wrong about. I would not steer anyone wrong. First of all, yeah, the DRB. If you had tried that sandwich, it was real good. It was real good. And uh, so anyway, we we got a couple banquets and uh, hung out and enjoyed the ambiance. It's uh, it's a did. lot of fun there, isn't it? It takes you back a little bit to a better time, and the food is better than almost anywhere else, isn't it? Agreed, sir. Agreed. I'm so, hey, so happy to hear that. 
I'm so happy. I, I appreciate it. And you all have a good afternoon, okay? Yeah. Well, God bless you, Daniel. Keep on trucking, and maybe we'll see you there one of these days. Yes, sir. All right, now. All right. Thanks. Young David... I think we should send that to the to the team over there. They'll <laughs> we'll get a send kick. that over to the Dirty Drummer. They'll get a kick out of it, won't they? I have a condition, though. Yeah. They need to send us T-shirts. Now, well, it's <laughs> well. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's legal. Actually, legal? I don't know if it's legal. Uh, but it is advertising for them, I guess. If you wore them, but I don't think they have my size. I think we checked last. That's that's why I said they need to send us an XL for Seth Leibs. I don't right? think they have your size. I, I'm a medium. You are not a medium. I'm a medium. We had this discussion on air. We did. Not about the fact that I'm particularly size medium, but but about the fact that I. I've bought shirts, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we're happy for that. Let's go to Rob. Hi, Rob. How are you? Hi, Seth. I hope you guys had a great weekend. Um, for David, I uh, I have the answer to the question: National Vietnam Veterans Memorial Day, yeah, uh, or Veterans Day rather. Um, it actually came into law in 2017. Okay. So, and it was actually entered in by uh, Pat Toomey, who was oh, from yeah. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, both the House and Senate passed it in 2017. Who was the president? Then? Yeah. Uh, let's see oh, yeah. who was the president there. <laughs> but anyway, someone uh, fifteen we Republicans were... in North Carolina or South Carolina can't find reason to vote for. Yeah, that's who it was. Well, well, that's right. Which uh, you know, uh, and this is something that is very little publicized and. Um, David had asked about whether I was familiar with it, and I said, well, you know, I, I'm kind of not. So I, I did some quick looking up at congress.gov. It was uh, Public Law 15 from the uh, 115th Congress. Okay. Um, along the lines of uh, the great monologue that you were giving um, in, in the 15 Republicans and all this, I, I don't think, you know, there should be sort of a means test. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're a Republican if, right. you know, if you believe in living in the government, right. if you believe in a strong national... I, I'll government. do that monologue again. I think that I've done it before. I'll, I'll do it again. I, we do need that. Yeah, yeah we do need yeah. that. Yeah, and actually, I mean, you were touching on it, and, and I think, uh, you know, all the rest of the little things, it's just rubbish. Uh, you know, whatever it is, the personality clash or the ego or the you know the the media portrayal which i just this personality thing i mean you know i personality I have, yeah i have never found a successful institution that thought personalities should be more important than principles i've just never found it i've never seen well, it and if you want an example yeah. of it you know i i don't know who who would who would probably be the most morally upstanding president in our lifetime i'm guessing probably jimmy carter probably well, morally upstanding, perhaps. Probably. But then, yeah. uh, I guess Reverend Jones and the Kool Aid drinkers. I mean, he had personality, didn't he? Well, <laughs> didn't not, work out uh, too well. Well, okay, I, okay. <laughs> stick with my no, analog. I, I stay just, with my. Stay yeah, with my. Yeah. Stay with my history. First. <laughs> stay with the point <laughs> I'm trying no, to make. If you're looking for a saint in the White House, the probably closest thing you ever came to was Jimmy Carter. Probably. Probably that that may be. But if you're and, looking and for I, someone to keep this country um, afloat and keep our allies and ourselves safe and see economic growth 
and see cities not going to pot, then you are probably looking at presidents who have a little bit of a stronger muscle, who are made of something That's a right. little bit stronger that might not simply appease everyone's self-important, morally superior attitudes and views about what they like in their fellow human beings. But it is about a Absolutely. country we are saving. That's right. And of course, you know, the rule of law goes in there, too. Oh, Do you so believe many in things. the rule yes. of law? Of course. You know, of course. and, and uh, the, the sovereignty of the United States, i.e. the United States having borders and being united. And uh, working, you know, together with the opposition uh, and having the principles. And, and this is what bothers me the most about these so-called Republicans, that they don't seem to follow those basic principles, you know, the ones that are the non-Trump supporting. Why, why can't you make America great again? What's wrong with that? Why don't you uh, just forget the individual who represents that and just think of the concept, the idea. And we're supposed to be a party of ideas that date back to the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and following. You know, we're up against a party that doesn't accept that, right? I mean, that's that's what's so serious about these stakes and why I get so offended by this moral moral self-superiority, because it's, right. it's it's an allowance it's a toleration for and it's an um and, and it's a um it's a passive effort to vote for a party and allow a party to take control that doesn't think 1776 was our founding date or that the constitution yeah. has anything relevant to say to us today and can be written by every generation that wants to pour its whimsy into it that's right. The uh, flexible constitution. I remember Hillary breathing, living, flexible. You name living, it. Breathing, yeah. 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 Any, and, and anything but anything but yeah. Anything but serious. Yeah. And the irony, of course, is that they certainly don't believe that all men. They don't believe in a lot of things that I think that we are playing and gambling like madmen with when we say, well, okay, but I don't like the way he speaks about X, Y, or Z. Show me a policy that he supports or promotes that is aberrational from standard or traditional conservative or Republican policies. Find it for me. That's right. You cannot. And that that should be the key discussion items between now and the uh, election yeah. is let's talk ideas let's not talk personalities let's not talk about uh well we can i just can't i just can't do personalities years. i just can't i just yeah. can't and um i'm i'm going to bet that there are a lot of people in your life uh that you have read who you may not have known taken seriously learned from and you may not have known on an individual level and my guess is if you did meet with them Maybe you wouldn't like them so much because of their personality. Well, that's where the path to hell is paved. Thanks, Rob. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. That Jimmy Buffett's on that. What is that? Havana Daydreaming? Havana Daydreaming. For some reason, that is like of... I think almost any of his songs I can think of off the top of my head, that gets in your head and it's an earworm. You just can't get it out of your head. I can't tell you how many mornings I wake up humming that song. Havana Daydream? Yeah, does it happen to you? It will now. <laughs> it, it Maybe. Will now. I'm a come Monday guy. Yeah, but That's that my all-time favorite of his. Okay, but it doesn't stay in your head. It's not just an earworm. Yeah. It, it, right? 
some songs have that ability, some don't. And uh, I mean, that was a big song for him. He's but. just dreaming. Yeah, okay, fine. There was a reason way. that Jimmy Buffett got the recording contract for it. Because I wasn't around in 1977. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, that wasn't the point, but. It's also true. That's the only it, reason. It's, he got the no. <laughs> okay. All right. This is an offense to the category. My friend, uh, I don't know if I have permission to use his name. Uh, if I do, I'll amend the record. But a friend and I, um, who have morning conversations about the problems in the world, um, we were we we were talking about something that was so absurd the facts of the case, that it offended the category in his phraseology. He says you can't even put it in the category of whatever it was. It offends the category. It was so bad, so egregious. This offends the category of addiction and sobriety. Deadly serious things. Deadly serious things. This offends the category. It may even offend the category of politics but I'm less certain of that. Reading from Axios, you guys know Axios. It's kind of a, um, it was a successor to Politico, which is a successor to the Washington Post. It's the serious, it was once upon a time considered the serious website for political news and analysis from a group who uh, engaged in an exodus from the Washington Post. And fairly serious people. Leans left, of course, but serious. Anyway, Axios. Hunter Biden does an interview with him. You know who Hunter Biden is. Hunter Biden does an interview with Axios. And um, here's how the article starts. President Biden privately has expressed worry that Republicans' daily attacks and the criminal prosecution of his son Hunter are taking a toll on his family and could even lead Hunter to relapse given the family's history of struggles with addiction. Well, family's history of struggles with addiction? Did I miss a story of another Biden? Does Joe struggle with addiction? Or Jill? Or uh, anyway, maybe, maybe. Uh, Maybe one of the other siblings does. Um, Why it matters, Axios writes. Hunter Biden knows this. He told Axios in a rare interview that he sees his continued sobriety as crucial not only to his life, but also to ensuring Donald Trump doesn't return to the Oval Office. Quote, Most importantly, you have to believe that you're worth the work or you'll never be able to get sober. But I often do think of the profound consequences of failure here. Maybe it's the ultimate test for a recovering addict. I don't know. I've always been in awe of people who have stayed clean and sober through tragedies and obstacles fewer people ever face. They are my heroes. But I have something much bigger than even myself at stake. We are in the middle of a fight for the future of democracy. He is using his sobriety as a double-edged sword to say that the Republicans and the potential for the Republicans to win not only threaten that, but his quest to stay sober is important to save democracy so that he can't be used as a whipping boy that will help Republicans defeat Democrats. This is offensive to the category of sobriety. There's an old history— There's an old history in the uh, annals of AA about singleness of purpose and not getting involved in extraneous issues or affairs, particularly political ones. And it goes through other 
organizations that predated it that fell apart because they lost their principal purpose and mission to things like politics. This is an offense to the category of sobriety, and it's an offense to the category of addiction and recovery. To exploit it for a political purpose like this and to say your, your sobriety is threatened by the other political party, you know what that means? It means you are not mature enough to be giving interviews to anyone about anything. That's what that means. Friends, the folks at Midas Gold Group have told me the U.S. government and the Fed will have no choice but to eventually steer interest rates lower. Because if they don't, the current level of interest rates will bankrupt the nation. There's no telling when the dam will break. But when it does, Midas wants to make sure you have flood insurance. In this case, gold. Call Midas Gold Group now. Look into the opportunities gold can provide you as a way to diversify your investments. Give them a call at 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. Midas Gold Group is the nation's number one veteran-owned gold IRA firm. Protect your assets. Call 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group, always faithful. MidasGoldGroup.com. Uh, our listener and uh, friend on Twix, Mark, he's from out of state, right? Yes, he's from far away, lands far away. Do you remember where? Is it? I believe it's Georgia. Yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. want to out him. There's a lot of people in Georgia, well, but I yes. believe he's from Georgia. Mark in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> he does this thing that I wished you would do, but it's okay. It's a team sport, I suppose. And every weekend he writes down and tweets out all the 75-cent words that get used on this show for the week. So his... Most recent posting from an hour ago, penury, perspicacity, equipoise, irrigating, diffident, contumacy, regnant, peregrinations, casuistry, adamantine, decimating, diamagnetic, didactic, pulchritude, and fettle. That was last week. Now, I remember fettle and equipoise. You remember those two. Well, if you wrote them down like Mark, um, you could integrate them into your sesquipoise. Cespicadalian vocabulary. Cespicadalian. Cespicadalian. Yeah, look it up. Got it. <laughs> and um, look it up. Cespicadalian. I think I'm right. Um, but, folks, I do make fun of David on air because we have a lot of fun. But if you want to get just a smidgen of a sense of how valuable I hold in esteem this man— he said, you're going to want to listen to this on the break. And I, and I, and I did my usual side, really. <laughs> and he played it. And it's so perfect. It's in respect of the call I had with Rob a few sec- segments ago or two segments ago, talking about character uh, and personality in the presidency. And I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to tell you something more about David with regard to it. Go ahead and play it, David. The, All right. uh, well, let's let's should tell we, people who it is. Them? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it may not be immediately obvious. I think it's Mike Wallace and Mike Richard, Wallace, yeah, indeed. It's Mike Wallace and Richard and a Nixon. Nineteen sixty-eight yeah. interview. Okay. On sixty minutes. Okay, go ahead. There's been so much talk in recent years of style and of charisma. No one suggests that either you or your opponent Hubert Humphrey have a good deal of it. Have you given no thought to this aspect of campaigning and of leading? Well, when style and charisma connotes the idea of uh, 
contriving of public relations, uh, I don't buy it at all. Let me, let me make this one point. Some, some public men are destined to be loved, and other public men are destined to be disliked. Uh, but the most important thing about a public man is not whether he's loved or disliked, but whether he's respected. And I hope to restore respect to the presidency uh, at all levels. So I asked David how the heck he found it. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, and he's been telling me, and I have noticed a little bit myself, the Richard Nixon Library online is kicking you-know-what on just the collection of audio and video that they put out there. They're doing a great job. They have a great audio-video library online. And David, I think, routinely goes there because he's an RMN fan. Um, let me stipulate I have my reservations, but I love the <laughs> history around it all. Um, you know you know that that's he's responsible for my getting into politics. Richard Milhouse Nixon? Yeah. You don't know this story. I'll tell it I in a might. minute. Let me finish the story about you. So he plays this for me. He says, this is right on point from something Rob said a couple calls ago. And I said, yeah, what do they have, a searchable function? How did you do that? How did you find that? He goes, well, I remember seeing it from a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it will come in handy someday. That is a small measure of what I get with this great producer, David. Now, if only, because I give and I take, if only you could remember Richard Nixon's, by the way, he has a few 75-cent words in there, doesn't he? I think he does in the opening response. Um, but uh, if I could only get you to write down my words <laughs> so that you could use them for future rather than those that come out of RMN's mouth. Yes, uh, I became interested in politics at an early age, and it's all Nixon's fault. It might be Howard Hunt and Gordon Liddy's fault. Um, I loved— Wait, G. Gordon Liddy, that guy from Miami Vice? That's the one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. E. Howard Hunt, William Buckley's boss at the CIA <laughs> station in Mexico in 1952. Yeah. Um, as a young kid, one of my favorite TV shows was Captain Kangaroo. Do you know of Captain... Are you familiar with Captain Kangaroo, David? You may not. I don't even think I've ever seen a single episode. Have you heard of it? I've heard of okay. it. Okay. From you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, Captain Kangaroo is one of my favorite shows, and it was preempted. I think it was played on PBS, the Channel 8 station here. Another reason I hate PBS and Channel 8 station here. But I think it played on there, and it was preempted by the Watergate hearings. And I would throw tantrums that I couldn't watch Captain Kangaroo because of this stupid thing called Watergate. So at an early age, obviously it would have been 74, 1974. At an early age, that's what that's what got me interested in all things politics. By the way, Bob Keeshan, as you know, I'm interested in all things young people and education as well. Bob Keeshan, who played Captain Kangaroo, he was in his own right um, an education expert. Um, and, you know, his television show was, you know, educationally nourishing, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood or something like that. But um, I was thinking of a quote of his the other day, and um, I've always liked it. And I ran it by a serious professional educator. I'm, I'm not a serious professional educator, at least not according to ASU. And um, I ran this quote by him, and I said, I've always used it when it occurred. I've always thought it true. Is it true? He said, it's eminently true. It's an old quote of Bob Keeshan's. He said, Young adults don't 
make the decision to drop out of school in the ninth and 10th grade when they're freshmen and sophomores. They make the decision in the first, second, and third grades and just execute on it in high school. It's a powerful quote, actually, if you want to talk and think about education reform, because it goes to the seriousness of front-loading good pedagogical instruction to our children at young ages. Because what that mind and what those emotions are doing in the early years, we may not think they're important, but believe you me, they are. By the way, that's why we take some of this stuff that Ron DeSantis made famous with the schools in Florida so damn seriously, because we should. All right, I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. See, I feel like you're unfairly demonizing Nixon. Really, your troubles are with Senator Irvin and Archibald Cox. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by our good friends at YRefi. InvestYRefi.com is their website. That's invest, the letter Y, then REFY.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. You can also visit them in person. They're headquartered here right on Chant. Right, excuse me, right on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. If you visit with them, I've been there any number of times, you'll get no sales pitch and you won't be asked to sign a thing. They leave the selling up to me with why refi. There are absolutely no fees. There is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises, and it is an investment in a secure collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Okay, uh, I had so much here I wanted to do, and it's such a short segment. But um, yes, let me lay down the marker. Uh, Mr. Bill, can you hear me? Did you see or listen to Dr. Phil McGraw on the Corolla show recently? Gosh, he was good. Gosh, he was good. You know, I've been I've been working this theme lately. It's not original to me, I don't think, but I've been working this theme lately that common sense is is no longer in the mainstream. This is our challenge. I mean, this is our challenge. It's as Orwell put it, we've reached the stage in life, and he put this in the nineteen thirties, goodness knows. We've reached the stage in life where the first task of the intelligent is the restatement of the obvious. That was in the 30s. Well, I think it's far worse now. And Dr. Phil was talking about his new show and stuff with Adam. It was really, really good. And today um, he was promoting it uh, with the ladies on The View. And boy, did they try to get one or two over on him. And boy, were they unable to. Because you know something? He knows stuff. And you know something? They don't. They just don't. This is why Joy Bahar can say such stupid things as Dr. Jill Biden is a very good doctor. Um, and that she should be the Surgeon General. That was, that, check me out. Joy Bahar said that. Um, anyway, I'm going to play you some of that audio in a bit. There's someone else who represents uh, a lot of common sense 
Uh, he's been on the show before. It's been a while, but he is uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, state senators here in Arizona. He's chairman of our Senate Judiciary Committee, and he's also a candidate for Congress. And that's Anthony Kern. He's going to come up uh, in a few moments here and talk to you about a brand new piece of legislation that he just sponsored uh, and passed on the Senate floor here at the State House that you didn't think should require legislation. That's what we call a tease. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 